I think one of the most exciting things that's happened to eHarmony and more broadly in the industry is that everyone is pretty much going online. If you are interested in a specific kind of relationship, you should be able to augment whatever you're doing, if you think about it kind of offline, with an online service. Coming up, Ariane interviews eHarmony CEO Greg Waldorf, next on Change Nation from the first 30 days. Welcome to the first 30 days. Our subject today is the first 30 days of online dating. And I'm joined by Greg Waldorf. He is the CEO of the very famous website eHarmony.com. According to Online Dating Magazine, 20 million people visit an online dating site every month and approximately 120,000 marriages occur every year from this. eHarmony is one of the most successful sites on the web with, I believe, more than 17 million registered users across the world and 15,000 new users approximately signing up every single day. Greg is going to bring us his great insights into this fascinating new world of relationships, what helps, what to know, what to expect with us right here on the show. So, Greg, it's a pleasure to welcome you to the first 30 days. It's great to be here. Greg, what kind of people are, are dating online right now? Are they a certain age, profession? Is there a majority that that are either men? Are they women? Are they in a certain age category? I think one of the most exciting things that's happened to eHarmony and more broadly in the industry is that everyone is pretty much going online. Uh, when the industry kind of emerged maybe 10 years ago, you used to see very specific age groups, very specific urban areas. And today, one of the most exciting things is that you really can't point to any demographic group that is not online. So everything from young users who have never been in a serious relationship all the way through to a very fast-growing group of people who are, you know, 55 and older is, uh, in our case, one of our fastest-growing age categories. Greg, what do you say to people who are certainly listening to this because they're curious and who have never been online before who in some ways want to be inspired and want to be pushed over the edge, might have thought this is not for them up until now? What would you say to them? What I would say is if you are interested in a specific kind of relationship, you should be able to augment whatever you're doing, if you think about it kind of offline, with an online service. Uh, in our case, eHarmony is for people who are seeking serious relationships. There are other sites for people who are looking for less serious relationships. Uh, consumers should kind of do their homework, talk to friends, and I think that it is a perfect complement to all the other things someone might be doing to find that relationship that they're seeking. I find that people oftentimes will set up their own barriers of why they don't want to go online. Um, and when you really look at the cost involved, it's very modest compared to all the things that people do to prepare for offline dating. And so I think it's a, it's a good place to spend time and it's a reasonable place to spend money in the case of eHarmony. How do you think the online dating world has changed in the last couple of years? Like how has it improved? What, what benefits exist more today maybe than when you guys first started off? I think, you know, the biggest change in the last few years is the decrease in stigma. Um, 
in the case of eHarmony, uh, we know we, Harris Interactive does research for us, and uh, about 100 people a day in the United States get married who have met on eHarmony. What's important about that, whether you go on our site or someone else's, is that I don't think people have any reason, uh, nor should they have in the past, to be embarrassed about having met somebody online. Um, people who have relationships, marriages that have come from our site, are just as excited, go through all the same emotions that somebody who may have met through a friend or met in a restaurant or a bar, however people were going to meet. That decrease in stigma has really reduced one of the biggest barriers that uh, remained. And uh, I think that the relationships that come out of you know, our business are just as authentic, just as special, the children who have been born to those families. So people who have heard a friend, maybe you had a bad experience on an online dating site, just to sort of clear up that stigma, what usually happens when someone has a bad experience and how can that be avoided? I think the number one thing that causes bad experience is probably not giving it enough time. Um, it is one of the challenges in marketing our business where we are talking about helping people to find something that is so aspirational, it's so life-changing, and yet it doesn't happen for the average user on the first day or the first week or even the first month. And so if there's one thing I typically tell people is give yourself enough time, set your expectations, perhaps adjust the uh, sort of method of dating that you've used in the past. Um, you've got to give it you know, I think six months is, is a great amount of time when you're thinking about giving a site a chance. A year membership usually just costs a little bit more than a six-month membership because of the way these things are priced. Um, giving yourself enough time to be successful is by far the single greatest thing. I would say the second thing is to really uh, be more open to maybe people who were not in the exact category that you thought. Um, I'll use geography as a good example. Um, you know, on our site, people can set the distance they're willing to go to meet someone. And typically, people will be very, very strict about that. They'll say, you know, I only want somebody within 30 miles. But when you really ask them, you say, boy, you know, for the love of your life, a soulmate, you wouldn't be willing to go somebody in a 60-mile radius, particularly if you live in a not particularly urban, if you live in a not very urban environment. And uh, I think being willing to be flexible gives you so much greater chance to be successful. So I would say time and openness are both huge uh, keys to being uh, a winner, really, on these sites. Greg, for the people who are sort of ready to go, they're excited, they have never done this, but they're willing to be open they sign up to eHarmony. What are the most important things for them to do or to know in that first 30 days for them to stay on the site and for them to get excited? I think the number one thing is for people to be honest with themselves. Um, you know, our, our, I can only speak really in this case to our site because I'm not really an expert on other sites. But in our case, what we're really trying to do to do a great job for our customers is to understand the individual. So we don't spend very much time asking about who are you trying to meet. We're asking a lot of questions about tell us about yourself. And the more honest and accurate people are in describing themselves, 
the better job we do in matching because we're very good at what we do. And uh, I think in those first 30 days, sitting down, taking the time to actually, in our case, fill out what is a fairly lengthy personality profile um, in, in real detail, not just trying to blaze through it as fast as you can, but really being thoughtful about the responses. Not that there's any one response, but really putting the time in and then looking at the personality profile you get back and seeing, is this really a reflection of you? If we've understood the individual, we're going to do much better job on matching. Um, I think that's, to me, the biggest thing, to not be overly focused on who you're trying to meet, but to really understand yourself. Um, people, people often come to our site uh, after a divorce. People come to our site after maybe having not dated in quite a while. And then we've got the very large group of people who are single and dating all the time. Um, people have to become more comfortable. And so if you're, if you're maybe a little rusty would be the best term, just give it enough time, be patient, take it seriously, and uh, use common sense when you're meeting people. So someone's in the first 30 days. What can they realistically expect? I'm guessing they're not going to expect to meet the love of their life, although I'm sure that's happened before on your site. Yeah. But what, what's, what's that first month feel like, look like? Are people very quickly matched? Do people go out on one date, four dates, or is it very person-dependent? It's difficult for me to answer in broad generalities because if you live, you know, in rural western Pennsylvania and you have a very specific criteria of who you're trying to meet, um, but like I said, by geography or maybe by age, you're going to have a more difficult time. Um, the more open somebody is with us in terms of who they're willing to be matched with, the much greater experience they'll have in the first month. So if I can assume that somebody's given us a reasonable amount of openness, they're, they're willing to meet somebody a little bit further away, somebody who maybe um, is in a slightly different age group, then I can pretty much say they will get that initial personality profile as a way to learn about themselves. And we get unbelievably positive feedback just about that step of the process, and then they will start to get matches. Um, it would be very unusual for someone to not get any matches in their first 30 days, and really then they start what we would call a guided communication process, which is helping people to talk about the things that are more substantive around long-term relationships. So, you know, do you have an interest in having a family, having children? What are your attitudes um, towards spirituality? What kind of uh, environment do you want to live in? And so we kind of help people through this guided communication to find these things out about each other. But in most cases, people fairly quickly move to let's go on a date if they're both mutually interested, that is. Um, they'll typically meet for a coffee. They'll meet for a glass of wine. Um, most good first dates, I think, through online are fairly short, always in a public place. People should be very cautious about giving out personal information just because it's good common sense. And uh, if that date goes well, then people see each other some more. We have uh, a lot of confidence that if people just kind of use their time wisely and they go out on enough dates, they're going to find a good relationship. So I, I never discourage people from just kind of giving different kinds of people a chance. Greg, I don't know if you can answer this question, but I'll ask it nonetheless. How easy is it for people to be matched correctly when the element of chemistry isn't present? So it's more about 
information that's disclosed between two people, but the chemistry up front isn't quite there. I think it's important to remember, in our case, Free Harmony, what we're trying to do. We're trying to give people a large group of potential or a large group of matches that you have the potential for a great relationship. So the nice thing you know is if you do find chemistry with any of the matches, you have a great entry point, which is a highly compatible relationship, we believe. Chemistry is something that people have to figure out for themselves, and we never try to pretend that this is a substitute for that specialness of a first meeting, a second meeting. Many stories we hear of success, people have spoken on the phone over some larger distances for a month or something, and they just have this incredible anticipation of meeting someone. But we do find that people have typically a wider range of who they would find acceptable at a chemistry level. And I don't just mean physical attraction. I mean, who would you really want to spend more time with? It's, it's something deeper uh, if they know that they have a basic level of compatibility. And so we're trying to give people a great starting point. We would never recommend that somebody just you know, go and get into a long-term relationship with the first person you get matched with. The individual has to really figure out the chemistry piece. Greg, from the position you're in as the CEO of eHarmony, where do you see the future of the online dating industry heading? If you and I were having this conversation in a year or three or five, do you have a sense as to how much further this could go or how much deeper, how much more accurate? Well, you know, we are always... So I've got a a research department here with uh, five PhDs who generally have... Uh, psychology backgrounds who are always uh, improving our compatibility matching system. They're always trying to make it better so that we can deliver better matches. So I think we'll continue to innovate in the way we deliver matches. But I think the, the bigger kind of societal trend is that in a certain way, this will become less unique. Um, people still today are overwhelmed by how many people get married through eHarmony, for example, or maybe just meet online. And I think that novelty will diminish because there won't be very many people left who don't know two or three or five or 10 or 20 people who have met online and that they will have great relationships and great marriages. Um, So it may be a little less unique, but I always like to remember that for the couple that meets, even if they are the 100,000th first couple to marry through eHarmony, let's say, it's just as special to them as it was for the very first couple. Um, it's, it's an incredibly powerful time of people's lives. Greg, one more question on privacy in general. There might be some people who might be very excited and open to trying this, but don't really want to reveal who they are or, or maybe some other aspect of themselves. Is it possible to be on an online dating site and still remain somewhat private? I think it depends on the kind of site that you're on. So um, there's a broad category of sites that, uh, in fact, almost all sites allow you to, as a searcher, to just browse profiles. And, you know, over the course of a a long evening, I guess you could, you know, browse thousands of profiles and, you know, see a lot of people. Um, I think the number one, the best way to use to get privacy is to use a matching service like ours because nobody can browse your profile. It's only somebody who gets matched. So it doesn't mean that it's technically impossible for someone to 
find, you know, or see you online if you didn't want people to know, but it's extraordinarily unlikely because you're only going to be seen by the people who you get matched to. Um, I think the other part of privacy is sometimes people feeling embarrassed, but the other part is safety. And I just can't emphasize enough that although we have relatively very few incidents of, um, you know, individual safety being compromised, people just need to use common sense. And if they use common sense, they will almost in every case be just fine. So I think part of this issue around privacy is tied to safety. And I just urge people, just, you know, don't give out your home phone number until you're comfortable. Communicate through the site. Don't give out your email address. Meet in a public place. There's a very safe way to do it. We have a lot of dating tips on our site in terms of how to keep that safety part first. Greg, final question. I guess the the joy and the excitement that you and your position here of, you know, thousands and thousands of couples getting together, eventually getting married, starting their lives together is probably one of the things that most keeps you and the whole company inspired. Uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Um, you know, there's, there is such a sense of mission at our business at eHarmony. Um, we feel deeply connected uh, to the people who, you know, are, are our customers and in particular to the people who are successful. Um, if you were here in my office, I could walk you around and almost every turn you would take, you would see photographs mailed in by our users who have found love, found happiness. Um, and no matter how long the day or how tough a business situation is, knowing that we're helping people to achieve that is just an incredibly powerful part of working at eHarmony. And it's, uh, yeah, I feel that it's a privilege to really lead this company given what we do for people. A lovely mission to have to create love and more love in the world. Greg, the last thing we do here with all of our experts at the first 30 days is we ask them our, our three signature questions on change. And they're the same three questions we ask of anyone, regardless of their life change or expertise or focus. So here they are. Number one is, what is the belief that you go to personally during times of change in your life? You know, I think the thing for me is uh, during happy kinds of change and difficult kinds of change, I think I have a fundamental belief that things will work out positively. And that gives me an enormous amount of strength to get through difficult times. Here's the second one. Fill in the sentence, the best thing about change is... Something better can come of it. The final one is, what do you think is the best change that you've ever made? Marrying my wife. Lovely. Craig, thank you so much for your tips, your time, your wisdom. I know that you've probably inspired some of our listeners here to jump online and see if this can certainly bring them what they're looking for. Glad to be with you. I've been talking with Greg Waldorf, CEO of eHarmony, one of the web's most successful dating sites. Check it out at eHarmony.com. Who knows what can happen? I'm Ariane. Thanks for listening. And for more intriguing, fascinating, and informative interviews on various changes, come visit us at first30days.com. Mm-hmm.